0: Welcome to the Marketing Star Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Ben, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges in the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Daniel Borenstein, head of Software and Digital Platforms. He talks about how technology stacks for sales and marketing crossover, and how personalized marketing with technology in a solid blend is effective for satisfied customers. Vincent gets a fresh haircut, and AJ feels like the world is finally normal again. Give it a listen.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. It is so good to be here. I'm happy I got a fresh haircut but I do every 10 days, you know that, the audience, it's a weird quirk of mine. Anyway, I'm so happy to be here. Who am I? If you don't know, maybe we have some new listeners. We're constantly growing. I thank you for spreading the word. I also thank you for coming up to me at conferences now. Conferences are back. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for telling me whether I'm at lunch or in line getting a drink or I am at a booth walking around that you really love the podcast, and I appreciate that. So keep that up, we really do love that. Strista, who are we? Let's take a pause for station identification. Again, this is not a station, but we are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, our own business-to-consumer data. We have technology that helps you access that data to get new customers. We own our own DSP called Adster. We can push out media, OTT, connected TV, display. Email me, Vincent vincentatsterista.com. That's it. That's all you hear about, Starissa there. But thank you so much, and I'm very confident that we could help. I just gave you my email address. The other thing I'm confident in, and I always say this, I will run through a wall for this gentleman, my CEO, my co-host, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. A.J. Gupta. What's up, A.J.?
2: Hey, Vincent. I'm glad your walls are made out of glass.
1: Glass. I'm running through, running through. Yeah. Yeah. It's not uh, well, I, Hey, there's a lot of injury that could happen. Yeah, it's, yeah, been, yeah. it's movie glass. It's that glass that you run through, through the movies, but that's okay. <laughs> Still who's running through walls for you. I'm running through. That's walls. true.
2: That's true. Fair enough.
1: Good to well, see you. What's new with you. I haven't talked to you in about a week or so.
2: Yeah, no, I'm uh, feeling better getting back into the swing of things here and, uh, Looking forward to having you in a week or two. And then uh, uh, I should have my New York City trip coming up next month as well. So it's uh, it's almost like a normal world we're living in.
1: It is, it's coming back, right? I think people are, well, now in New York City, I have short sleeves on where this is uh, April. It's the best day of the year here in New York City. It's in the 80s, 80 degrees in April, which never happens. It's beautiful. People are out It's going to be a great time. So, yes, double dose you get of me, AJ, double dose. I don't know if you're ready for it, but we're going to have some fun. I look forward to seeing the San Antonio crew headquarters, ladies and gentlemen. The other thing I'm happy about, a double dose of AJ, but the other thing is our next guest, ladies and gentlemen. We have a great show for you today, Uh, We're tackling verticals that we haven't necessarily talked about on the podcast, company, unlike others that we've talked about on the podcast. And this guest, I'm very happy to have him, ladies and gentlemen. Please, a warm marketing stir welcome for the Vice President, Head of Growth Technology Verticals at GenPact, Daniel Bornstein. What's going on, Daniel?
3: Hey, Vincent. Thank you. Uh, AJ, thank you for having me on. I'm a voracious podcast listener. Uh, (laughs) i listened to some episodes of your podcast. I love the informality and the insights. Um, and really excited. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank
1: you, Daniel. We appreciate it. And yes, not everyone listens to the podcast before they come on, but we do appreciate it. We put a lot of uh, effort into it. A lot of effort to make it look effortlessly, I should say. That, uh, but yeah, that's everyone else. No effort on my part. But it is so great to talk to you, Daniel, to see, semi-see you in person. I hope to meet you in, in person one day. But Daniel, let's get right into it. I, I love your title. It's a very unique title because you are tackling certain verticals. So can you talk to me a little bit about first, let's get it out there, who, who GenPact is and talk to us about a little bit about the verticals, your role within the organization. Love to hear all about that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so GenPact is a publicly traded, multinational consulting and professional services firm. Uh, so uh, we, we, as you may imagine, we're, we're all business to business um, and we help mostly the Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies in a variety of areas. Uh, we actually believe we're not have 100,000 employees across uh, 30 plus countries. Um, and essentially we have a consulting arm, which I can get into a little bit later and our professional service arm. Uh, runs operations and processes across a multitude of areas for the Fortune 500, as I mentioned, and those could be areas like finance and accounting, trust and safety, customer experience, sales and commercial, financial crimes and risk management. We really, really do a lot in my verticals. Um, So I'm the head of growth, as you mentioned, for our technology verticals. So So what does that mean? Like most companies, if you think about uh, Google or Facebook, they tend to be verticalized and those verticals are essentially where their clients are. And in an ideal world, you have people that have domain expertise within the client's area of expertise. And then of course, you have the products themselves. Our products are essentially the service lines and domain areas where we're ranked number one, number two in the world, whatever the case may be. And so going back to my verticals, um, we have within my team, uh, social media, software as a service, e-commerce, on-demand marketplaces, gaming, big tech. Those are our cohorts. Those are our clients. Um, from my perspective, my main goal, it's really a combination of sales and marketing. It's that nexus of how do, you, how do you acquire that next big customer into our portfolio? Once they're acquired, how do you grow them? That sort of thing.
1: And And Daniel, we'd love to ask because there's a lot of people listening who are looking to get into various fields, they're maybe just starting out, but how'd you get started in marketing?
3: Yeah, so um, for me, I I was very much interested in consumer internet, right? Uh, And so my professional experience, um, I would say was bifurcated with, let's say undergrad and grad school. So in undergrad, I was really interested in uh, political science, business, economics. Uh, And then while I was in undergrad, I I started working for web what we would call today Web 1.0 companies, startups, right? And so I found that to be super, super fascinating. And then um, when I went to graduate school, I went to a school, uh, it's in the UK, it's called London School of Economics. And essentially it's a factory for people that want to be investment bankers or uh, management consultants. And so I already had the foresight of knowing I wanted to continue to work in tech, let's call it. Um, And then from there, I've always looked at sales and marketing uh, having a symbiotic relationship. And then ironically, my first job out of grad school is working at Google, which I was there for five years. And Google is sort of the ultimate definitional company of uh, digital marketing, marketing tech, right? Um, And so that's where my fascination with marketing started, uh, specifically around the technology side and on the automation side. And obviously, you own a DSP, so I'm sure that rings true to you. Um, I think what's more interesting now is this notion of personalization versus automation and data and its role and where are we going to? Um, but ultimately that's been my interest. And, and since Google, I've worked at a public company as well, but also a bunch of uh, high growth startups, where as, as you know, in the startup world, the nexus between sales um, and marketing, you know, there isn't as much of, of the, let's say wall, um, so I have done a variety of things, corp dev, biz dev, marketing, sales. Um, so it's really that nexus between sales and marketing where I think I have a, a specialty.
2: You know, I know you've had some great experiences working at a number of companies, as you mentioned. But coming back to Genpact, what are you doing in terms of marketing and what is it that's uh, working for you guys?
3: So um, we do a lot right? As I mentioned, we're, we're a hundred thousand person company. Um, So as you may imagine, we're using all of the avenues and channels that a company of our size would use, right? So it's everything from AdWords to display to brand advertising to sponsorship. I think I would answer that question in a really specific way as it pertains to our group right? Within the technology verticals, which is how do you uh, acquire a customer? I mean, again, going back to this nexus of sales versus marketing, right? So today, sales has become so technocratic that essentially, if you're going to do sales in a modern tech company, you need to have a sales tech stack, which is really a marketing tech stack. And so there's this sort of gray area, does the CRO own marketing for sales? Does the CMO On marketing for social, or or what is that collaboration? Um, So, I think what we do specifically in marketing to new customers, which is a little bit different, is how we approach uh, our ICP. So, if you're familiar, I'm sure you are, but if your listeners are familiar with this acronym, Ideal Customer Profile ICP, who are your customers? Who are your target customers? And and how do you speak to them? That's sort of the, the building block. And again, if we go back to this notion of personalization versus automation, there's a tool, maybe you know it, that's licensed uh, by Oracle. It's called DataFox. They were uh, an Oracle acquisition. And it's basically an ICP modeling software. Um, And it is very, very good. But the question is, what are the inputs you're putting in, right? And my experience is that when most companies market to their ICP, it is inside out versus outside in. And that's an expression I love. Because if you're thinking about what you want versus thinking about what your customer wants, there's an asymmetry from the word go, right? So if we take that notion of how do you build an ICP, I think what we do, which is very different, our growth and intelligence uh, team, they take a look at all of the available sort of ICP universal clients. And instead of saying something like, well, we want to work with customers that have X revenue, Y headcount, and that are in you know, such and such field. Of course, we look at those things, but we have a much more granular approach where we use data and we also use our own subjectivity. So we look at customers or potential customers and we say, well, are there actual areas where we can help them? If there aren't, we're not going to call on them. If there are, we're gonna call on them and we're gonna have a very sincere message. And it's that we don't sell commoditized solutions, right? So imagine a SaaS company, it's not a knock on SaaS, but SaaS companies by definition, they've got a solution for a certain town and it's got certain confines, maybe there are certain pricing. When you're helping companies, either by running their operations or providing consulting, every single thing you do by definition is bespoke. So any time that you try and market to that company, you really can't say, "Hey, we're GenPack. We're really big. We do consulting and services. We work with the Fortune 500." That's great, but what is it about their business where you actually think you can help? And I think that's a differentiator for us.
2: Yeah, that's a very good description of uh, SaaS versus uh, kind of the bespoke solutions. Uh, we, we, we struggle with the same thing here. Is uh, Because, I mean, some of our solutions are SaaS-like, but at the end of the day, every marketing department we work with is so different that it's hard to have a cookie cutter approach. Um, But uh, kind of drawing it out to general trends that you're seeing, technology is obviously ever-changing and uh, more than ever with uh, sort of the things that have happened, like Zoom has become a household name now in the during the pandemic. But what are some of the changes that and trends you're seeing in the uh, technology space?
3: That That's a great question, AJ. And um, I think you're touching on something which is really interesting. Uh, we're, we're huge fans of Zoom at Genpact. We're, we're customers of Zoom, we're enterprise customers of Zoom. And what I like about Zoom and video conferencing in general is that they've seamlessly democratized business meetings. So the solutions are incredibly elegant for a company our size, but they're also affordable and elegant and efficient for companies of three to four to five people. And I think it's it's pretty rare, and yes, this is a plug for Zoom, but I think it's pretty rare to fit an SMB and enterprise need just as well, right? Um, Because a lot of companies, SaaS companies, as you know, they may struggle with SMB, whereby they may be very efficient with enterprise and, and vice versa. So I think we, we can all agree that business travel is not gonna be quite as profound as it was before. I mean, you mentioned that you're, you're starting to travel again, but I could see a world where internal travel is restricted, external travel is promoted, Zoom fits that gap. Um, so, so really bullish on that. And then one other thing, which again, bringing it back to this notion of sales versus marketing and a sales tech stack versus a marketing tech stack and where that crossover is. Um, I think there's a really interesting debate over the last, call it five, six, seven years about personalization versus automation. So for example, if we think about technologies like outreach and sales loft, which I'm pretty confident that you're familiar with and probably a lot of your listeners are familiar with. Well, if you think about what a technology like that does, it's actually kind of more of a marketing technology than a sales technology. And I call them uh, sales ESPs, right? So if you think about you know, um, uh, email service provider, like a, like a cheetah mail or you know, one of these types of companies, um, really this is what it is for sales. And what's interesting about it is SaaS companies start, started to embrace it. Now, a lot of other companies have started to embrace it as well, but the end customer, it's all about how you use it, right? The marketing tool might be great, but what what is that implementation usage of that marketing tool? And if you start doing templatized cadences of 12, 15 emails deep, people can tell. And yes, you can do some personalization there, but people can tell that it's also semi-personalized And I would argue that it's a turnoff. Maybe there's a lot of use cases for BDRs, there's use cases for sales directors and so forth as well, but it's how do companies use that? Um, Because if I'm being marketed to, I want it to be personal, right? So what is that right mix of using the technology but making it feel personal, right? And do you say, I'm not gonna use any technology and it's only gonna be personalized messages and sincere messages, or am I gonna use the mix of the two it's probably the latter. I don't think that anybody's figured that out
1: quite yet. Daniel, I, I loved what you were saying there because one, the promoting of sales and marketing working together. I love hearing that. Our listeners love hearing that because you've always heard it being separated and at at, at odds. I also love that I'm on the B2B side. You talking about making that type of marketing more personalized, which I feel like on the consumer side, that's a little easier, right? Hey, this, you looked at this shirt. What about this, Vincent? But on the B2B side, I think it's very important. So I love that you were talking about that. Switching gears a little bit, I want to get your input on, you've been doing marketing. What has been in your approach that you feel set you apart? Any tips out there that's kind of been a game changer for you?
3: Yeah, you know, I think uh, going back to what I said, um, if, it, if it didn't fully uh, come through, I tend to be more on the personalization side, right? Um, working in technology, there's a world for that. But I think you what works for us, first of all, um, referrals work really well for us because we tend to be really good operators. And so when we're engaged with a client, Oftentimes, you know, people move around, they go to different companies, they'll go to a new company, they'll be in need, they'll know us. Uh, So we get invited to, let's call them RFP processes. We've got a partner ally. So referrals is a big way, word of mouth, that we've been able to uh, build our business. So I think that's been a really important marketing lever. And then I think the other, you know, marketing levers that have been really effective has been the sincerity of outreach, uh, for example, from people um, on my team, I think what's what's really also quite important is this notion of uh, credentialization, right? So um, our team is a little bit different um, because, for example, I don't come from consulting professional services; I come from the industry, and so a lot of the folks on my team come from the industry. So it's a little bit easier for us to have conversations with marketplaces or advertising platforms or e-commerce companies because we're we're kind of in that ecosystem. So I, I think that's probably, I don't know if I'd say it's a game changer, but I think that's something that 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 helps. Right. And 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 the other thing which is pretty obvious is do do your research, right? Make sure as I was saying going back earlier, it's really what is your ICP? Where can you add value to clients? You know, so for example, we don't, we don't go after thousands of clients. Right. I've been in companies where the ICP is 3,000 customers. You know, For us, it's a much uh, smaller number of potential customers because we really take our time, research the customer, see if there's any kind of problem statement or error they need help with. And we frame everything, frankly, as a, as a discovery call. Let's get on a call. You know, We'd love to learn a little bit more about your business. We can tell you some of the things that we do. We do a lot of things. You may not be aware of them. And if we think there's a way that we can help you, we'd love to progress the conversation. If there isn't, then that's fine too. So I think that's really our differentiators of between stops.
1: No, no, I like hearing that. Speaking of research, we've done a little bit of research here. I want to talk about GenPAC's origin story. I think it's a very unique story. Um, back in 90, 1997. Talk to us about that. I don't want to give it away, but I love the story. I would love to hear it from your uh, mouth.
3: Thank you, Vincent, for, for the question. I do think that um, GenPAC's origin story is, is really interesting. Uh, so if you're familiar with Six Sigma, mean Six Sigma, which is a business discipline, it started in the 80s and it started in manufacturing as a way to improve efficiency and increase defects. And it boasted a 99.7% accuracy in terms of eliminating de- defects. And then it transitioned to eliminating waste in businesses, proving business, improving business efficiency. And essentially, if you think about Six Sigma, it can be applied not just to manufacturing where it started with companies like Toyota, Motorola, G, et cetera, but it applies to everything that we do today as GIMPAC. It can apply to customer service, it can apply to sales, it can apply to financial crimes. It can apply to supply chain management. These are areas that we focus in on. So we became an incubated business within GE and anybody that's been to business school, you probably studied GE as an iconic US company under Jack Welch. And GE really took Six Sigma as a religion, right? So uh, GenPact was essentially the Lean Six Sigma arm of GE. And then in 1997, um, we started with NG in 2005, we spun out in 2007, we went public. Um, and today, as I mentioned, we're 100,000 people across 30 countries and we do that work across these service lines that I referenced, supply chain management, finance and accounting, um, content moderation, trust and safety, sales and commercial, financial crime risk management, et cetera. And we do it on behalf of the Fortune 500 coming from our Six Sigma lineage of efficiency, um eliminating waste and improvements and process improvements for companies at scale and what's interesting is in the last number of years we've actually transformed into a consulting company where we focus a lot on digital transformation because other consulting companies potentially were always consulting companies but we have such a lineage in actually doing the work and being excellent operators so we take that operations experience and we're able to help companies solve problems you know for example how do i build a global sales team right how do i transform my uh, financial operations framework how do i as a an e-commerce company export to new markets most efficiently and and the list goes on and on and on
2: that's great uh, origin story for the company, uh, and kind of following up on that and looking forward, what are some of the things that are coming up that you're excited about with the company?
3: So, in, in terms of what uh, what we're announcing and and what I'm excited about, there's a lot, but uh, we have we do have a partnership with Envision Racing, and that that's a race team which is involved in the Formula E. So it's the all-electric Formula One with a single racer street racing. And we help that team with the race to, to um, climate change, as well as providing digital and analytics capabilities to improve race efficiency, helping build audience. We're going to have an event um, there or there is a, a grand prix in New York on the 16th and 17th of July. And we are going to have some thought leadership uh, around that event, which we'll announce soon. So stay tuned for that. And another thing that I'm excited about personally is you know, companies um, like Genpact, uh, we work with third parties and uh, we're ranked in certain areas. Um, and there's a lot of rankings that we're really proud of. For example, being a leader in finance and accounting, being a leader in sales and commercial, being a leader in trust and safety, right? So in our set of verticals, we like to say that we help brands grow and we protect their brands. Right? That's, a, that's a way to say what we do, kind of in layperson's terms. But one of the things that really struck me when I joined is I was emailed, um, I was on copy from an email by our COO, and he had in his signature Ethisphere. So, what is Ethisphere? So, we were recently ranked again as one of the world's most ethical companies. And for me, that's important. We're a company that is very, very transparent in the way that we operate internally. And externally, and having that validation of being an ethical company is something that I'm personally excited about, as well as um, being a leader with Everest uh, Group's peak matrix for trust and safety, which speaks to our verticals. And we have a really interesting SMB sales academy that we've developed with some of our larger clients, which helps some of our large um, advertising and SMB clients within SaaS scale their businesses, because we have this academy that brings virtuous Um, loops of of feedback and analytics, and we can help train and improve processes on that front. So those are a few of the very many things um, that we've announced that that I personally like and resonate with me.
2: Yeah, one of our staple questions here, and I know you know this since you've heard our podcast before, is around kind of the unsolicited messages that uh, we all get on LinkedIn, And so what's a message that gets your attention and what's a message that really annoys you?
3: So, um, you know, LinkedIn is is, is such an interesting conversation. I think um, not enough credit is given to LinkedIn for the way that they've completely transformed the way that we do business. Um, From getting jobs, to getting insights, to getting intelligence, to reaching out to people. Um, it's it's literally one of my favorite platforms in the world, but how do you use it? It's a, de- it's a democratic platform, right? So there's a lot of messages that you get that are totally irrelevant, but I think the ones that bother me the most is when people have not done their research. And so, you know, maybe they're trying to sell you something that you sell, right? That doesn't make sense. They don't understand what you do. They don't understand the company. Um, So those are the, those are the messages that bother me. Um, And then the messages that I like, it's kind of what I was going back to earlier, people who have done their research and understand some of the initiatives you're working on. And the ones that I will respond to are people that I view as peers in my industry, um, where we have people in common, where they want to have a conversation, which isn't relegated to, I want to sell you product X, but more so of a conversation. We try and do that. When we reach out and use LinkedIn as a conduit, we try and say, like, you know, we've got some insights in supply chain, we've got some insights in sales and commercial, we've got some insights in trust and safety. You know, can we talk to you about some of the work we do and the things that we see in the market? Can we talk to you about our SMB Sales Academy? Right. And not everybody's going to be receptive to that message, but at least it's a sincere message where hopefully they're going to learn something. So if somebody can reach out to me and I can learn something that's relevant to my business.
1: I'll respond. That uh, that makes sense. And we that's the question I get asked all the time now at these conferences where people are like, I love the LinkedIn question. There's sales professionals who come up to us and say, wow, that's helped me. I've given that information to my SDRs on how to reach out to people. So I guess it's a good thing about, you know, but that's awesome. Thank you, Daniel. So now let's get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. But I also Work-wise too, what have you been most proud of thus far in, uh, in your career? Shining moment, highlight, something like that, if you can share with us.
3: Yeah, from, from a career highlight perspective, you know, there's been some things that have been, you know, really interesting. Been in the startup world for, for a while uh, prior to coming back to the big company world. So there's been things like getting acquired by another company, or that critical fundraise um, or in one case relisting on the New York Stock Exchange under a new ticker symbol which ushered in kind of a, a new um, legacy or era for that company or taking um, a company public. Uh, so those, are, those have been experiences that I've had which have been very resonant. Um, I think for me though, the thing that I enjoy, I've enjoyed most in my career has been uh, being a people manager. Um, it just happens to be the path that I've always been on. And I, I introspect a lot uh, on how I can be a better manager and how I can be somebody that adds value and helps people succeed versus a bureaucrat or somebody that's very good at, at managing up. Um, so for me, my highlight has been, and I, I don't necessarily think that I've cracked the code, has been, how can I help people grow in their careers? How can I build a network? When people talk about me, I don't really care if they say I'm smart or if they say I'm amazing at my job. I want people to say, this is a trustworthy, honest, credible person. That, that legacy is, is important to me. And to the extent that that's been the case, that would be something that would, would be the most resonant thing for me.
1: I love that. I love hearing that. And finally, Daniel, we'd love to get to know you on a personal level. What do you like doing? What are some of your hobbies? I know travel. I saw so many other countries that you travel to, but talk to us.
3: So on my, on my free time, um, most of the stuff I do today is family-oriented stuff. Um, you know, Prior to planting roots in Southern California, I had a really rich life experience. Uh, I lived in um, Five countries, three continents, 10 cities, went to two international schools, worked at multinational companies, traveled a lot for work, visited over 30 countries. Personally, um, you know, now my life is, is a little bit more rooted and, and that stability actually, you know, sincerely is, is something that I enjoy. Um, but, you know, it's kind of the, the stuff that maybe isn't as exciting for certain people, but is rewarding for me. Got my Portuguese water dog named Dahlia who I take for long walks um, on UCLA campus where I listen to podcasts, me and around for hours. Um, I have a a bike that has two bike seats. I take my six and four year old daughters uh, biking on the beach, doing those types of family activities. Um, So, you know, that's really kind of how life is today. Um, But yeah, that's what, that's what I'm up to personally.
1: I I love it. It sounds like my life without, the, the tandem bike, but I five and two-year-old. My, my five-year-old just turned. He just turned five uh, April 11th. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a new new form of life, but it's amazing. Uh, this has been great. We really appreciate your time, Daniel. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, that's Daniel Bornstein, the VP, Head of Growth, Technology Verticals at GenPact. Check out genpact.com. Daniel, this has been amazing. That's Daniel Bornstein. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon.
0: Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by stirista Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at And thanks for listening.